I'm Jason Bailey Losh, and you're listening to Seeing is Forgetting Conversations on Contemporary Art and Culture in Los Angeles and Beyond. Today's guest is Adrian Doyard. Adrian lives in London and is from Paris, France. I've been sitting on this interview for a while because I couldn't figure out where it fit into the context of the rest of the podcast that I was producing. And in terms of what the voice of this episode was. And that, by the way, is no ill intent toward Adrian because this conversation actually is sort of personal. The reason that it took me so long is because the conversation was more about our lives and who we were and why we were doing the things we were doing than content about the specific title that Adrian holds. And Adrian's a TV producer. So she was in town scoping television episode that was going to come through Los Angeles which, by the way, is amazing and incredibly relevant to the rest of the conversations we're having. But going back and listening to this again, as I did just now, so I could take notes and get ready to post this, what struck me was one of the most important aspects of this outside of us just learning about who each other was sitting across the table was finding this place between work and happiness and making those choices and figuring out what's important to us long term sitting here in my studio at like uh, 11 o'clock at night editing this thing. And it just really struck me that this shit's important. And Adrian and my conversation is relevant to me long-term. I, I love going back and listening to this shit later. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show, Adrian. And without further ado, here she is. Adrian. Hello, Jason. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. On a very rainy day. Yes, I know. This is California for you, I guess. <laughs> no, it's not California. This is, this is what I mean. <laughs> this is my experience of it. <laughs> so how long have you been in Los Angeles? I, well, I was in Los Angeles for maybe two, three days, uh, but I'm just back from San Diego. So I, I started a journey in San Francisco and then made my way all the way south to L.A., including L.A., and then carried on to San Diego. So I'm just uh, on my way back to before flying back to England. Where are you flying out of? Is it L.A.? Yeah, yeah. You're not going all the way back to San Francisco? No, no, no. Okay, so now that we know where you've been, we should say why. Yeah, Uh, so I am in California because I work... I work for a TV program and um, we for the BBC uh, that's about food and traveling. And so I'm scouting locations to see where we could uh, film the, the program. So this is, we will start too by mentioning we met through a mutual friend. Yes. And it was just a cold call over sort of an email and introduction through a, my one of my good friends. Mm-hmm. And actually, we I don't know if we talked about this, but Matt, I know Matt as a, Matt Egger is an artist in London. Yeah, very good. In Matthew, yeah. you would hate me for me to call him Matt. Oh, I call him Matt. Yeah. I do too, personally. <laughs> but if I ever I write anything, he wants it to be Matthew. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. Maybe um, I should. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, Matt wrote me and he said, you need to meet this person. Yeah. And uh, what was interesting to me, you were coming here and you just wanted people's insight into yeah. food in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I am not that person. But it was nice that Matt, <laughs> we had a very nice, well, we had yeah. a phone call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We had a very nice phone call. It was a very nice phone call. And also, like, uh, just to say, uh, Matt uh, recommended you highly as well. And, <laughs> and Kathy as well, actually. That was, that was uh, another mutual Did you friend. meet Kathy? I didn't. No. I so Kathy to... Fairbanks, who's also an artist here in LA, yeah. is a friend of Matt's. Yeah. And yeah, from what I can, yeah, uh, she sounds like a lovely person. When I, I've tried to pack everything and I was like, oh, I would have really liked to see her. Anyway, never mind. Another time. I need to go back to California, see the sun, Kathy. And then my job would be done here. <laughs> so after this really nice phone call, and yep. we talked a lot, and we can go into it probably a little bit during the conversation, but we talked, I talked, you were asking me about food, but my idea of food sort of intertwined with art yeah. in, a, in a weird way. Um, yeah, you were talking about, so there was this installation that was outside a museum uh, where people ate, and that was part of the art, am I yes, right? Yes, this, um, this was at Mocha, Geffen. 
and it was a oh I'm gonna people are gonna kill me for not remembering the uh-huh. artist, but she did a piece where they carved up a uh, a lamb. And then, then they had this these tables set up. I think it was so Liz like a, Glenn. On a speed roast? Maybe or? it was Liz was Glenn. It? Okay. No, um, it was roasted. See, I don't know. I think it was roasted. Okay. Um, over a pit yeah. outside. Oh, yes. Yes, and yes. then they carved it. They had a the carving in front, so they had yeah. a big mirror behind it. Right. So you could watch the whole thing be carved. And then they gave the different pieces to the people, specifically what they asked for, and sort of passed it around. Yeah. But then they had a performance on the table, and it was very artsy and they kick the plates off and yada, yada, yada. But it was, there has always been an interesting mix between art and food here in LA for me, almost more than it was when I was living in New York. Um, and I know art play, plays a prevalent part of New York as well, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Gordon Matta Clark. No. Um, he was an artist uh, back in the 70s, and there was a whole, he had the restaurant and a food thing going on, but art played a prominent role in the scene in, in New York city, but in LA today for me living here as well too, there's a lot of collectors mm-hmm. that are restaurant tours. And there's a lot of people in the art world who I even have a friend who is actually getting out of the art world and she's opening a restaurant. Interesting, so yeah, yeah, this is weird mix of yeah. like why people are involved in the art world, and the food world here. Well, I don't, I know a little bit of the art world, but not much, to be fair. So how do you know Matt? Where did that come from? Uh, He's a brother of a very good friend of mine who I worked with at the BBC a few years ago. And uh, so, yeah, and then we lived with each other as flatmates for a while. Uh, You did? No, no, as flatmates. (laughs) No, but with Matt? Yeah. You lived with Matt? Yes, yes. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. See, Matt didn't, when he sent this email, he's just like, meet a friend of mine. I didn't yeah. realize that you... Yeah, we were flatmates for what, maybe a year or two, I suppose, or something like that. That's a damn long time. So you know yeah. Matt very well. Uh, I Probably guess Probably better so. than I do. Yeah. <laughs> as far as personally, like living with somebody, you know the intricacies of like their lives. I do. I know. I know. Uh, I know he's got good conversation over breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a producer of various shows. Mm-hmm. You do a lot of this, and I want to go into that in a little bit as well. But let's go back. You're obviously not English. I am not, yes. <laughs> I have an accent. You're very right. <laughs> I'm very perceptive. Yes, yes. Um, I'm French, uh, which I think, like, to me is obvious. But uh, along this journey, loads of people have asked me where I was from. So I think I've really? got a weird accent to No, American I feel that like you are very French. Okay, okay. You have a beautiful voice, too. Thank you very much. I don't know. Um, I, so yes, I'm French, born in Perpignan, which, uh, if we want to plug a bit of art, uh, apparently yeah. Salvador Dali called, uh, said that the train station in Perpignan was the center of the world. Why? Well, you know Salvador Dali, you don't really know why he said <laughs> these things. I, but I went to where he's from originally, uh, so Cadaques and uh, Figueras, I think, where like he used to live or where he was born. And I went to those places, and um, Perpignan is really near, and I think and where he's from is like the middle of nowhere. So I think for him, Perpignan meant a lot because that was a starting point to get on the train. It to was go his wherever. world exactly. outside yeah. of where he grew up. So that's my interpretation. But I, yeah. That's a pretty good interpretation, though. That's a very nice way to think about things. That's a nice way to think about things, right? We're trying to see from their perspective. So wait, you grew up in a small town then? Well, no. I, I, you were just born there? Yeah, I was born and then I, when I was three, I moved to Paris. Lived there until I was 17. So. What did your parents do? Yeah, uh, well, my dad is dead, so not much anymore, but uh, my mother is retired. And What uh, did he do? What was uh, the... Yeah, he was an... In- well... He studied to be an engineer. He worked for EDF, which is like an electricity company. So he's uh, an electrical engineer? All I know is that he was stressed about work. He traveled to Japan sometimes and uh, and people liked him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a nice thing as well is that when he died, my mom was not working. She had four children. I'm the youngest. And the people from oh, the wow. company yeah, con- contacted her and said, okay, you're not working. You have four children to look after. Uh, we're going to give you a job. So just tell us what you're interested in. That's amazing. In. Yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of, yeah, that makes me think that he was a good person. And Otherwise, why yeah. would they? Yeah. That's really sweet. And and the other people are obviously very good people. So what did she do? 
so she ended up working for the communication department and she made her way and ended up uh, being in charge of the internal newspaper and she loved it. Holy so, moly. Yeah. yeah, no, she was. I think, uh, well, yeah, she did well. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. What a great story. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. So she's retired now. She is, yes. And she's in Paris. She is in Paris. Uh, she, uh, yeah, she, she spends her money. So she's bought a house in the <laughs> south of France and she travels. <laughs> she's so funny. W- what about your siblings? Um, okay, I have a brother who also works for EDF. I talk about uh, trying to yeah. emulate what's uh, Is that common in France or not? The, the, the family, like... I th- it can be... Is it nepotism or is it... Yes, there was a bit of it uh, in the sense that uh, his first job was a... Um, he was sent to Hong Kong to work for that uh, company. Uh, Same company. Yeah, yeah, as like an internship type thing. Right. And he did a good job and... So they hired him on. Yeah, exactly. So he worked his way into yeah, it. But sure. he was offered the opportunity because of family. Yeah. But that's the whole world. Yes, well, yeah, it is, it is. Right, yeah, it yeah, is. That's yeah. no different than anywhere yeah. else. But that's why I was happy to go to England also because it was like a, a, cut, a white Like chip. a fresh start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about your other siblings? Yeah, I have a sister who does the same thing as I do, but she does it from Paris. Um, Producing? Yeah. For TV? Yeah, what? so she works for like, uh, yeah, uh, French TV or also British TV. She does, she also works for the BBC, but in their news department. Uh, so. That's pretty crazy. yeah. yeah. Okay, and then your other sibling. Yeah, I have a sister who's a nutritionist. Oh. Another sister who's a nutritionist. So you're in Paris. How did you get out of Paris? Or did you go to school there? You did, right? Uh, school, yes. University, uh, kind of. I started by going um, to the west of France to a university that was a bit weird. but. Uh, uh, Why? Uh, it was a very Catholic university, which is a bit random. But and you're not very <gasps> Catholic? What? I am Catholic. Yeah, no, I am Catholic, but um, not that Catholic. Like, I have friends where I have a one good friend from that time who has eight children because she doesn't do contraception. She's very good Catholic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love her too, but she's amazing. So were you there? Did you do all of your undergrad there or not? Uh, I did. Well, in France, it's a bit different, uh, but I did two years there. And then I went for one year to Madrid to do my um, third year of university. And why Madrid? It was, that's why I had chosen that university. It was very weird, but at least it gave me the opportunity to not choose yet. In France, you have to kind of specialize. That that was going to be my next question. Like you have to already decide what you're doing. Yeah. So you choose like literature or law or, you know. So what was yours? Well, in that university, you could do several things. So that was politics, literature and languages. And... I pretty soon found out that I wasn't that interested in politics, but languages and literature were... And you speak four languages. I do, yes. Yeah, I was looking at your, as always, I look at people's CVs, uh, English, French, you are bilingual. I'm trying were, to send myself I know, but hang on, hang on. You are excellent in Italian and Spanish. <laughs> well, I'd like to think that I'm excellent <laughs> in all walks of life, but uh, yeah. I would say that's pretty damn good. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I have... Yeah, I've worked, I, I, I can use, I, I've worked in Spanish and Italian. I spend my time apologizing to people I talk to saying, I wish my language skills were better, but I can set up a shoot. In I would languages. say they're pretty damn good. Well, sometimes there are misunderstandings, but even in English or French. I'm sometimes just, I have misunderstandings in are, English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, tricky. Okay, so you yeah. did Madrid yeah. and then Goldsmiths in London. Uh, well, f- like, after Madrid, a- I came back to Paris, went to Sorbonne Nouvelle, uh, which is that, yeah, uh, to do a, in, like a, how is it, a comparative, comparative literature. Uh, and so I spent a year comparing a play by Jean-Paul Sartre, like writing. So it was a dissertation, yeah. a hundred page dissertation about a play by Jean-Paul Sartre and a movie by Ingmar Bergman. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, yes. Swedish? Okay. <laughs> Some people don't. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Like... Big, huge. That was brilliant. But it's funny, I was talking to a friend about it and she was like, wasn't it a bit indulgent? I was like, I guess it was, but I guess all universities. Super specific. Yeah, very much so, yeah. Did That's you get French to choose that? I did, yeah. I came up with the, the idea. That's it was The subject was the problem of the other in the comparison between, yeah. And, and you yeah. say you don't know much about art. You've uh, already... Well, I know old art and... Your world, you know about new art. Do you see what no, I mean? Yeah. I had a really interesting conversation the other day, and I brought this up with somebody the other night again too, because it just it was I had an epiphany moment mm-hmm. where I sort of figured something out about myself. Yeah. And 
I'm well versed in in the old art and yeah. in the history of art. Yeah. And when I make my own work, I'm always thinking about that stuff. And even if it's separated right. to thinking about modernism in the '60s or something yeah. like that, I have a context and understanding of contemporary art. But really, I'm attracted to something from a different time. Mm. And I realized part of it was growing up in the Midwest where my access to information was in books. Interesting. And in museums. And in the museums that I was seeing, the artwork that you saw was the old art. Yeah. Or or it was 30 years old or 40 years old. So everything's contextualized in this older format. Mm -mm. And even to the point when I I lived in D.C. for my movement out of the Midwest is directly into Washington, D.C. Right. Okay. Where I thought I was going to be exposed to... It was like, oh, everything's happening on the East Coast. Like, it, D.C. Yeah. will be the same as New York. Yeah. And I had no idea that I'm my, – my entire mentality was based on this idea because it's all museums and stuff. Yeah. It, it was, I worked in the National Gallery of Art. So all of the things I was seeing were, were not the contemporary items of – if I was looking at a piece like a Rachel Wright read Wright, Wright yeah. out, um, out of London, yeah. I was looking at the piece from 15 years ago or like 10 years ago, and I was still not in – like I thought that was What's contemporary. Yes. It wasn't until I went to New York and was surrounded by galleries yeah. doing and I Always think showing, very few people have the opportunity to do that though. Yeah. Even in Paris. I was gonna say that's my story in Paris as well. And moving to London, it really felt like there was like it was like a art history book, if you see what I mean. I start in Paris yeah. and it's all about like you know, Delacroix or, you know. Well, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. which is then, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I loved it and I still do. And then moving to London, yeah, it was hearing about... It's eye-opening, right? Yeah, for sure, for and sure. And there's very few cities, I think, in the world, as far as art is considered. And mm. I, you can tell me about food as well, too, here in a bit. Yeah. But I think like LA and New York have that thing going on where it's very contemporary. But it's a, it's because there's so many people amassed in a single space that you can't help but have a conversation. Of course, yeah. Same with London yeah. and uh, Berlin and some other cities yeah. around the world. Is it the same with food? Is How how does that work? Can with- I, sorry, because you are talking about conversation and I want to ask you questions. Am I allowed to ask yes, you questions? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So this how, is a conversation. It's did, back and forth. Yeah. How did the idea of you know, doing this podcast. Come. How did this come about? Yeah. Is it from like this idea that, okay, I'm having an interesting conversation and I want to record them? It's, it's multiple things. I think I always come up with a new reason of why I started it. Okay. So that, because that, I, this time it's recorded. You can't uh, Well, no, but you know what it is? It's just like the idea of understanding that my reason for creating work with like an art historical context is because I, it took me a long time to figure out why, what the reasons, this idea that you understand the narrative of your own work and the reasons why you do things completely to begin with it's yeah. a it's a really nice fantasy for people to like be romanticized about right yeah but often you have no clue what you're doing until like five years later that's for anything you know and yeah, you look yeah. back on it and you're like holy shit like of course but don't you yeah you you make sense afterwards as well you it's do kind of like trying yeah. so i will tell you what i've made sense of thus far yeah yeah I did this originally because I finished a show in New York City. Yeah. And artists, when they get done with the show, have this postpartum thing where they get depressed. Okay. So you work really hard to get to somewhere. Of course, yeah. And then as soon as it's done, or even the show's up, the show isn't even done, but as soon yeah. as the show is up and you've expelled all this energy, yeah. you get depressed. Yeah, I see. So I didn't want to get depressed. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have anything lined up as far as other shows or stuff. Mm-hmm. So I went directly into this. The One of the other reasons is I felt that it was important for me to get my voice out so people understood who I was mm. outside of what the work was. Yeah. I want to have conversations that expand beyond an individual artwork that's sitting in a room. That's very interesting. And yeah. I, I grow from these conversations. Yeah. So I was in the situation where I consider myself an extrovert, mm-hmm. but I would often, I would often ask people to go out and get drinks mm. and I was getting to a point where like if you ask curators and you ask writers and you ask other artists and I'm just like hungry for information all the time. Mm. Sometimes it comes off as, well, why are you asking me out? Like, what are you doing? Like, what do you want out of me type thing? Well, really what you want is just a conversation. Mm -mm. And very rarely do you get to sit across the table from somebody for an hour or a half an hour Mm. even and just get to chat about nothing. Yeah. But get the history of somebody and then – Ex- yeah. expand your sort of knowledge base of what, what's going on around yeah. you in mm-hmm. this really fantastic way. 
That's interesting, yeah. So, so you created a platform for that yeah, so that it wasn't Absolutely. Yeah. I did it in like two weeks. I was like, Amazing. I was. Because you're well kitted up. Like, this is, this is professional stuff. This is proper, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know it. you're in the business. Well, no, but not the radio <laughs> business, but I can tell. Like, you've, you've padded the wall. Yeah, you've, yeah. yeah. In, in my garage. Yeah. As I know, it is. Well, it's this beautiful my studio. studio. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. your studio. I think it's important for every artist to have conversations and conversations outside of their practice. Yeah. So I do a lot of studio visits mm-hmm. with other artists. I and I actually limit who comes into my studio. Okay, because, well, it's a privilege. Well, no, thank you. Yeah. But um, and then to sit across the table from somebody, and the reason I wanted to sit across the table from you is because the things you were doing sounded so interesting. But mm-hmm. also, we had a very open and honest conversation yeah, in, uh, sure. in terms of all of about 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Well, basically you said, I don't know if I can help. And I was like, I don't know if you can help either. Let's try. But that's sort of together. fantastic, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfect. So that's why I, that's yeah. why I do the show. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, can I have another question? You can have as many questions as you want. <laughs> this is a back and forth. Yeah, good. Um, the the name of the of scene is forgetting. Yeah, so I I googled it and it looks like it's a book. <laughs> it, <laughs> the it is a very book. yeah, it's a well, it's a famous. Is it famous? I see. Well, okay. here's the thing: it's yeah. famous in art in certain world. circles. Yeah, yeah, it's famous in certain circles, and maybe even in uh, the West Coast and not the East Coast. Wow. Okay. Because Robert Irwin, who the book is "Scene yeah. Is Forgetting," the name of the thing one sees, yeah, is the title of the book. Robert yeah. Irwin is a famous artist, but Robert Irwin is uh, sort of. They call him the father of light and space. Right. Which is a subset of a type of art that sort of started in Los Angeles, and it is what it sounds like. I see. Light and space movement. So if you walk into a space and you you sort of have an experiential, like James Terrell is light and space, and he studied with Robert Irwin. Right. So, um, but even when I was in graduate school, nobody talked about Robert Irwin. Interesting. Well, New York is focused on New York. Yeah. So even if they're influenced by... Which is great, but it's a shame because... It's a shame yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And, and and I wish people would have opened me up to that because when I moved out here, it was the first book I read when I came to L.A. Wow, okay. And it was very... And it's a really Eye-opening. easy... yeah. Really easy read, too. I need to read it now. Okay. It's yeah. fantastic. I gave it to one of the people... Who came? Yeah, who came and did the podcast. I was like, take this book and like read it on your way yeah, back home. Yeah, okay. Type thing. It's a, it's a great, easy, nice read. He supported himself when he wasn't making any money on art by uh, gambling on horses. That sounds, I love, I love that. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, great. it's really, really neat. So I couldn't think of a name for the show. And I think I proposed, I was writing, I was texting a close friend of mine, a couple people, two people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, really? I'm going to start a podcast. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like in a week and a half, I had all the equipment. <laughs> yeah. I spent like thousands of dollars, like yeah, buying looks, all this stuff and putting these. <laughs> and then, and then, uh. I was throwing names off the wall, and I think I, I said some really stupid ones, but then I came up with seeing is forgetting because mm-hmm. it sort of made sense for me starting in Los Angeles and why. Yeah, that's long, great. Long, very long story, not so short. No, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I like stories. Yeah. So we've gone a very yeah. long time into this talk without actually saying it, yeah. I believe, is you're here for Rick Stein. Yeah. For the BBC. Yeah. And you're going to do a food program. Well, yes. Tell but, me what the yeah. program is. So the program is about uh, Rick Stein traveling from uh, San Francisco all the way to Yucatan. Uh, oh, it's a long trip. Yes, it's a long trip. And there'll be several episodes uh, of him traveling through California and Mexico. Um, I don't want to go into too much details because I don't know if I'm allowed. So you're scouting yeah. the spots where he will go. Exactly. You gave me this wonderful, um, you were like, this is sort of what I do. Yeah. And you sent me, it was basically like an email you wrote to somebody, which by the way, is very nice of you to share. <laughs> yeah, it's an old one, so that's easy. <laughs> yeah, but it's sort of cool. Like you were like, it's, it is a line, but it's paragraphs, but it's like line by line, like driving down a road and seeing like an artisanal bread maker yeah. and then locals picking asparagus and then- And running have, after them, just saying, oh, what are you holding in your hands? Yeah, so you're figuring out the stories that need to be told or the interesting sort yeah. of like- this one was more haphazard because I didn't have time to prepare and it was quite stressful because that was literally like, okay. If you don't find anything, you're screwed. Exactly. <laughs> and it was literally like talking to the hotel manager saying, okay, we want to do, it was again, it was a food program. And I was like, we want to do something about food, but we want something different. Like, don't send me to a restaurant. I'm not interested in that. And she was like, well, there's this old lady who 
uh, has a house and she just has people over in her house and she cooks in her kitchen and people local people know about it and it's fantastic. Just, yeah exactly you're like oh my god that's yeah what exactly I want. exactly so you just like you go there you meet her like she's half your size and I'm small like you know and she's just <laughs> like typically Spanish lady and then you meet hunters who are back from a hunting trip at the same table who are like yeah the, her food is not great but it's funny but we can take you on a hunting trip that was a good oh, day that day I was like oh yes so I good. found things that are interesting but um so yes that was was my trip in California was I had more time to prepare and so you sort of knew what you were looking for yes yes and I think I know my job a little bit more, I suppose. How long ago was this one? Uh, This one was maybe five years ago. Oh, that's quite a while ago. Yeah, or four, yeah. So now you've been doing it a while, and you sort of know what's going to hit and what's not going to hit. Yeah, yeah, Because you you know, essentially, what's produced out of the content that you sort of put together. Well, I look for stories, but I get told off, actually, by my boss who's like, try and think in terms of recipes as well, because I'm more interested in stories. Um, I think because... Uh, I work in so many different programs. Like I've done history programs. I've done um, uh, natural history as well, like wildlife and stuff. So it like it's always like the format is kind of similar, but it's like the content that's different. So I'm interested in the stories rather than. Well, like, for me, a good sense. story carries everything through. Yeah, exactly. A good yeah. story will carry through like a mediocre recipe, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right. But at the same. I mean, time, it's yeah. got to be good. You have you're to doing think about everything. Exactly. Yeah. But a good yeah. story, like yeah. if you're watching the program and you've got to carry that content all the way through. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's fun. Like mm. the hunters and the woman in the. Yeah. Whenever I go to a new city. Um, doesn't even have to be a new city, but yeah. like the first thing I do is if I'm at a hotel bar, yeah. I ask the bartender where to go. Yeah, it's a good way of doing things, yeah. Because the bartender will tell you the places that are off the beaten path or like yeah. the after hours That's place. That's it. Yeah, talking to, to like a hotel staff is always brilliant or like restaurants. The locals and yeah. not like the concierge. No, well, yeah, no, no. Always. Well, it, it depends, but, but yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Well, it depends which kind of hotel. If you're in a small hotel, the concierge is like... I always look <laughs> for the seedy guy folding sheets in the corner. Yeah, and exactly. Kind of <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's a great idea. <laughs> you're doing well. Yeah, 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 well, you could do my job, I suppose. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, Your job sounds so yeah. intense. It, well, it, it comes and goes, which I guess you have that if you have like this, uh, you work towards um, an exhibition and then it stops and stuff. I, I have contracts, so I can be out of work for a few weeks. Is you that know. stressful? Uh, it was at first. But and then it's better now. You have, have enough hookups right now, probably, I do, that you I just do. sort of roll from yeah. one thing into the next. Yeah. And I saw, like, the name of a production company come up, like, multiple times through here. Yeah. So, so the production company knows you well. Yeah. And will put you on jobs. Yeah. And that's why the BBC keeps coming up, because the production company works with BBC often, yeah. probably, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all about, like... I guess like the art world, you you kind of make a good relationship with people. And if you don't like someone, you don't call them back asking for it, work. You know what? It's funny. I would guess it's probably the same way. It's a very small world. Mm. Yeah, it is. So it you is. don't want to piss anybody off. No, no. Because you'll be out of a job, job. in yeah. a way that you didn't even think about. Yeah, yeah. No, well, you always think, well, I'm quite a conscientious person. So no matter if I don't like the people, I'll just try and do as good a job as possible. Uh, but uh, but yes, uh, so I think in general what happens is, uh, but there, yeah, yeah, if someone upsets me, I'll just, <laughs> my mental note, never to call them back again. For well, that's, that's yeah. life in general. Yeah, again. exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I talk to friends. I have a friend who's a curator. Mm, okay. Yeah. I, sorry. I, I don't know if she, I should, she's a curator in England. She doesn't get on with her boss. And... We can talk in general terms. Yeah, exactly. That's what I realized afterwards. I was like, yeah. I can, I can we can also cut some of this if yeah, need good. be. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And um, and she's stuck. Like she has this brilliant job. You know, people fight to be creative. It's a great place, right? Exactly. And she, you know, she needs to stay in her job. and But it's really difficult. And sometimes she's on edge. And I just think it's really tough because sometimes you have to pay for the job of your your dream job, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's, And that's yeah. where it comes down to people a lot, I find, you know. Well, this is, I mean, I've had, I've had a few jobs. I don't have, I haven't had many. I've had a few jobs where I've hated the person who is my boss. Yeah. They just make life difficult. Yeah. And sometimes. But imagine if it's a permanent job. That's it, you know. Well, my job at the National Gallery of Art. Yeah. My, I, I had a house in D.C. I had a job at the National Gallery of Art. My mom was like, 
You're set. This You're in the government. Yeah, yeah, of course. Don't <laughs> fucking leave. Say, yeah. My mom wouldn't say fucking, but like, yeah. don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave. And I remember um, I met my wife and uh, I, I remember telling my mom that I was going to go to grad school yeah. and I was selling the house. And she was like, what? And I'm kidding, the, quitting yeah. the job at the National Gallery. Mm. In her mind, she's like, what is happening? Mm. I can't imagine working for that person that I was working for. Any longer. Any yeah. longer. Yeah. They were a horrible, horrible individual that just made my life hell. Mm. And often because I worked harder than what they were working and they're just protecting their job. Mm. Mm. That's it. Or, well, yeah. You, you know, it's, it, it gets difficult. I think it's a generation thing. And whether they're right or wrong, I don't know. I was, um, so um, recently... My boyfriend, my boyfriend, my mom has a boyfriend. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a time where exactly. <laughs> that's awful. My mom has a boyfriend and uh, he overheard me talk to my mother about a job I had that was very well paid um, uh, for a program. It was kind of reality TV and I just didn't like it. And yeah. I, uh, So it kind of helped me pinpoint that I don't like a program. A certain type of. Yeah, work. something where I don't learn anything and it's a bit about, yeah. So, and yeah. this is, I don't learn, you just, and so I was saying they they wanted to extend me and I was like, I don't know how to get out of this situation. I, I want out. Um, because it's a lot of money. But no, no, no. I wanted out because I wasn't enjoying my No, work. but you didn't know how to get out. Oh, uh, no, just because I'm too polite. I, I love England <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> it's just the whole polite. And I don't know how to say, I'm sorry, but I don't want to yeah, work for you. I'm not interested. Yeah. And so um, I was saying, okay, I want, I want to turn them down. Uh, I, and, and he was saying, and so my mom's boyfriend was saying, but hold on, do you have a job lined up afterwards? And I was saying, no, but I just don't like this job. And he just said, in my generation, if you, you would ha- never leave a job exactly. unless you had a job to be yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. My mom yeah. Would- and so I was quite interested, and he was saying, what is this with your generation that's so bogged up on being happy? Like, you know, a work is a, a job is a job. You, it's not about being He's happy. He's not wrong. I completely agree. So that made me think, okay, so how, what is it, you know, is it a, a spoiled brat type of situation? I, do, I don't think so, though. Well, I, I have another you theory. You figured it out? <laughs> well, I don't know if I figured it out. But I read this article where they were saying, we are products of our generation, obviously, our generations, and how our parents were raised, well, at least in Europe, like by parents who had gone through the war. Yeah. And so there's this idea as well, they've gone through hardship. And so no, th- th- their parents brought them up having gone through hardship and said to their children, life is going to be hard. Appreciate what you have. Yeah, exactly. And, but this generation is a, are the b- baby boomers. Yeah. So they actually found life really easy because they were like, at a time when there was loads of work, you could, you know, so... And a lot of wealth happening. So they had been brought up thinking, oh, prepare for war. And actually, they, they just got, you know, the economic boom. So they raised their children, i.e. us, thinking, okay, um, you can do everything you want. Like, you know, to Anything's a certain... Anything's possible. Exactly. And so you have a generation that's just think so our generation is a bit like okay so I've been told I'm special all my life and I could do anything. Now it's like I really need to do that. But... Not everyone can be special, so there's this sense of frustration, a generation I, that's really struggling. Anyway, I had a really interesting conversation with um, one of my coworkers, my day job, mm-hmm. and he, I'm a Which manager. Is, yeah, you you don't know my day job. You mentioned it. I ship, so I work for a really large art shipping company. Yeah, um, and then I run the West Coast. Okay, so wow, I, that's like you're you're important. Sorry, I, I should have uh, talked to you with but, more respect. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. Absolutely not. Um, but I mean, it's a serious job. Yeah. Um, so I was talking to another manager. Yeah. And the manager was really frank. I was having a conversation about employees and like how I was going to shift stuff around or deal with certain people. And I had one employee that was really great. And then I was having, it was just sort of questioning how I was going to deal with other situations within yeah. the office. And he was said, Look, you don't want everybody in your office to be the the superstar. He was like, not everybody can play that role. Yeah. But he said, not only can not everybody play that role, you don't want them to. Mm. Can you imagine having that many personalities in one room yeah, and yeah. trying to make everybody happy? Yeah. First, you couldn't pay all of them. Yeah. Then even on top of pay, you couldn't make each of them happy. Mm. 
like it takes a very special personality and even then that personality works well within a group where not everybody else is like working on that same level sometimes yeah. it was a really interesting insight into a conversation about how to just sort of like manage where you're where yeah. how people work and you the expectations and the levels of how you actually accommodate yeah, yeah and and for me the big one of the big learning experiences of being a manager and by no way am i always successful and sometimes i fail miserably right. and it's always a learning experience is that everybody has their own way of working mm -hmm. and that may not be the way that I work and there are parameters set up for people to succeed and not and you have these these lines but to allow people to be themselves and work in their own way and to sort of fit the function that they're best at within the office and sort of adjust how you place them within the community that's in your office can help everybody involved mm -hmm. and not being so rigid about how you look at what people's responsibilities are all the time yeah that sounds I, yeah that sounds very interesting and i guess uh, when you're dealing with people it's so complicated you have to it's really complicated yeah. right yeah and i think maybe this is where that that thing about like being happy mm -hmm. or making sure that yes yeah. i have a mindset where my father could give a shit my dad's a carpenter but yeah. i remember people being on a job site and he's like nope that ain't gonna cut it like mm -hmm. Or it's just, he was a very like rigid and he's a lovely man. I love him to death, but like, he's just a very rigid person and he's out of that mindset of that time. Mm. Right. Yeah. The, the baby yeah. boomers are like, yeah, exactly. you yeah. know, um, and I have more of a, my personality is more of such that I want to make sure that everybody's out of the office at five o'clock, mm. you know, yeah, yeah. because so I think that to, life yeah. outside of something is more important than the life inside of what we're doing. Nobody wants to be in the office if they don't have to mm -hmm. be in a weird way. No, no, it's not. I think weird. it makes. I think, yeah, think it makes, makes every. Sense, yeah. I think it makes everybody more productive, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully, mm -mm. maybe not. We'll see if I have a job in three years. Then <laughs> yes, if not. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you listen back to this. Yeah, video. I'll listen what back was and I was I like, thinking? "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> and this is where it all started this to go wrong. This is exactly where the damn podcast. <laughs> no, no, that makes complete sense, and I think yeah, productivity is. Uh, we're off on a tangent, yeah. but it was a super long one, but it was important because we found out what the heck you do and why yeah. you're here. Yes, yes. Your sister and you, why did you get into this? Yeah, well, I'm proud to say that although my sister is 10 years older, uh, she, I got her Oh, her that's a good job. bit. Wait. Oh, did you really? Yeah, yeah. So I... She... Wait, what was she doing for that 10-year gap? <laughs> <laughs> well, many things, including having children, but no, she... Oh, really? No, she started off, you know, she's... She's the second eldest child in my family, and my father was a very, um, like a brain in maths, and so she kind of followed that path. She started she's by doing maths. That. Yeah, she's very good at that. Are yeah. you good at that? I am, but I've never really... Uh, you never I've applied it in that way. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, but I always enjoyed it. Uh, but I was rubbish at uh, physics and biology, which I think... I, I was rubbish at that. all of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but maths are so fun, like numbers, they can be... Brilliant. Holy moly, it just stumped yeah. me all the really? way through. Yes, yeah. it was terrible. I know, no, it's great. Like, yeah. But I think that in a way, they're a bit like languages. It's like coding, I suppose. Like, well, you know, right. And I think that like having children myself, yeah. seeing how children are taught and the way that they're taught, yeah. you can make it fun. Yeah, exactly. And you can approach it in different Completely. ways. Completely. I was having this conversation the other day with my my partner yeah. and... Um, partner, your wife, do you mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Everybody here calls him a partner because I you don't want to call him a wife. Because, because it's really, disrespectful? Yeah, you're like equals. Oh, we have to go full circle and just say this is, you know. <laughs> oh, no. It's very Californian. Sorry. Yes, my partner, yeah, uh, my yeah, wife. Sorry. But it's just, for me, it could be your work partner. Anyway, uh, it could mind. be my, my lover off to the side. <laughs> exactly my gay, that. My gay, my gay <laughs> exactly, partner yeah. off over to the side that you don't know so about. So it's confusing, but yeah, hey. What so do I sorry. No. Anyway, I was talking to my wife and children being in school and the way that they learn, and I can pinpoint specifically in my childhood and in elementary school where I remember them talking about something. I remember them talking about nouns and verbs mm -hmm. and spacing off and looking over to like the right hand side. I remember which way I was looking yeah, yeah. and then them asking me a question and zoning back in or like not like yeah. focusing in yeah. and not knowing what they were talking about. Yeah. And then I can remember for like years to come or after that, I didn't know what the heck they were talking about forever because yeah. I zoned yeah. out yeah. and then they never went back to it yeah. or the, the question yeah. wasn't repeated or it was just, if you missed something, it was just sort of... You were left out. You were left behind. Yeah. And I had a thing, my, my son the other day had a spelling test 
he misnumbered basically they number like one through 12 or something. Yeah. And they write the numbers down. So he misnumbered. He copied a four twice or something. So when the teacher said the names of the things next to the four, he got screwed up and couldn't catch back up. I know. Yeah. And all of his words were misspelled and he, it looked terrible. Like it yeah. was just, but he was confused and he couldn't get back on and it was frustrating to him. Mm. But then because of that, he was put in the lower level spelling class for the next section of it where he was like, it was really simple. I could have done the better ones. And like that attention to why a child is doing something poorly and they can't do it with everybody. There's too many kids yeah. in the class, but you can see directly where these things sort of it's take place. Yeah, exactly. You can see where it starts yeah. and you got to be really careful. It's just weird how sure. that sort of works. So math. Yeah. 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 Math. So my sister started doing math and um, she became a statistician. I suppose. Wow. Yeah. Like a real mathematician. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and she worked for the European Central Bank for a while. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's she's very bright. <laughs> and uh, and she uh, husband uh, had to work for the Federal Bank in Chicago actually, so she moved to Chicago with him. Oh. And she couldn't work, so she did uh, studies in films because yeah. she wanted to investigate that aspect of her life. How long ago was this? I must have been uh, about nine years, ten years. A while ago, yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, and then when she came back to Europe, she didn't know what to do, and I was working on this BBC program, and uh, uh, they needed a driver in Paris, and I said, why don't you use my <laughs> sister? <laughs> She'll be interested, and so that's what she did, and that went really well, and then the BBC has this weird thing. Uh, they have like a list of people they contacted, and so whenever they went to Paris, they contacted So she was her. sort of in. Yeah, exactly. And then it led to other things within moving up from a driver, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> she proved she could do more than driving, which is um, surprising because she's rubbish at most things. No, I'm kidding. She's I'm just <laughs> trying to be funny. <laughs> she's very, she's, yeah, she's, she's great. That's lovely. Mm. It's really nice. People's life, hey, you know, it's quite exciting. I just... Do you guys cross paths in, uh, in the industry at all? Yeah, ish. Uh, sometimes we worked once, uh, so she. She had a job in Paris, a food program, and so she recommended me because I'd done a few. Um, and uh, but it's funny because food programs are my least favorite programs. But I've been what? Talking. No, seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, You've done I've a good come, bit of them. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know I have. But it's because I speak languages, and there are a lot of food programs, and they go abroad. So I've been sent abroad. But so why don't you like food programs? I don't like except for well, the one that you're doing right now, which yeah, is lovely. I love it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Actually, I have become more mature. I think when I was a teenager and maybe early on in my 20s, I had like very set ideas and I just didn't like food. A, because my sister was a nutritionist and it felt like, you know, when you have Too a family. Too close to home. Exactly. It's yeah. a, it was her domain and I was never very good at cooking. Actually, I'm not that bad, but I just. But you didn't feel like you were up to par with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, And so, and I like. I felt like food, you don't learn that much either. It's recipe based. Okay? Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. I like history. You know, you read about history and trying to find context. I like literature. I like, you know, I like well, things where you understand things. You sent me a sample clip of the Rick Stein show. Yeah. And he was talking about the history of like the land and like yeah. the, the, where the space, the, how it originated and what was yeah. in that. So Rick Stein does like uh, link things with culture and history, which is lovely. Uh, but uh, that's not all the programs. Still, it's limited. But having said that, I have am at peace with food programs now. You'd be happy to know because <laughs> because um, actually, when I go abroad to find out about food, actually, I get to go in people's houses. It's about culture, so it's about how people live. Because I, that's the reflection. These are those stories you're searching for. Exactly, yeah. but it's also. Food is everywhere, like everyone needs to eat. So in every community, in every, you know, you can yeah. be the poorest or the richest. So but you there's kind always of like, something. Yeah. So you travel within all those like places. So in along this journey, like in San Francisco, I, I was talking to the Latino community. I was talking to the hipsters. I was talking to, like I went to this thing where they were talking about how the Black Panthers they, 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 they created like a breakfast club for children before they went to school, you know. And I just don't know the Black Panthers very well. And yeah. all I knew was that it was a movement that was not afraid of using arms. Mil militarized. Exactly. Right. And yeah. actually, there's so much more to them than that. They and were so community driven. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Like they were uh, all helping like old people 
go to where yeah. they needed and yeah, or at the supermarket and stuff. So it was very much about the community. And uh, yeah, it's, it's eye-opening because you go inside people's communities and you see how food is actually a... It's uh, a connector. It's, yes, it is. That's right. It. Yeah. I, you know, I never yeah. even considered that. Yeah, yeah. But it's everywhere. Yeah. And be. so I also was like in this place in Big Sur and I was like in this hippie hangout where Henry Miller used to go, you know, and it was quite, and, and the owner knew Henry Miller, which I think is quite mind-boggling when you talk to people, yeah. not these people. But. And then next door to it, there's this like incredibly fancy hotel that has this restaurant and they just like do amazing things with the food. But the, the room is like $3,000 a night, you know, it's just, right. and... But everyone's interested in the same thing. It's it's about right. because it's this the money, basic thing. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. LA it seems to be very much like that too. Yeah. You can find really amazing food really inexpensively. Yeah. But that's what uh, when we spoke on the phone, what I liked that you said, you said, Okay, LA is this, from what I understand, and you stop me if I'm wrong, it's like a mosaic of communities it is yeah. and people don't necessarily go out of their area you know they they recreate a home wherever they live because it's so big uh but people will go you know food pulls you out of your neighborhood exactly and that's just art yeah. art does the same thing yeah, art yeah. and food and i think that's yeah. the conversation we'd had too yeah. is like the thing that pulls you out of the the place where you are sort of based yeah and people don't want to break those boundaries often because, well, it's like, you're not drinking tonight. I'm drinking. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. No, I'm water. no, no it's um, the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> because you got to drive and that's LA. Yeah, yeah. So well, people don't drink. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Because they don't, or they're not yeah, leaving their neighborhood because they are drinking or they're in See? a place. Yeah. So you don't take that. I've been doing Ubers all over the place. Of course. That must have changed. That must change people. It changes the whole life. dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. And, the idea, though, that food pulls you out of a place. I drove, uh, Jonathan Gold uh, recommended like a burrito place that was so far east, even from here. Mm. And I was like, I've got to go try that burrito yeah. because it's listed. So I, I think I drove like 40 minutes outside of like East LA to go over this thing. And it was so good. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. But, and it was a hole in the wall. And yeah. you, you wonder how he even found it to begin with. I think he goes everywhere. <laughs> he goes everywhere. But this is the thing. Yeah. Like, I think that that really pulls people. And it's mm. really, it's a it's a connector for a whole bunch of different types of communities and classes. Yeah, yeah. Like, class structures That's sort it. of don't apply in, yeah. unless it is at those really expensive places. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I, I went and got, like, a really, really good meal here in town recently, but it cost me a small fortune. Mm. And it's unfortunate that that isn't available to more people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but I think, like you say, you can also find amazing food for not much. Um, you can. You can yeah. do the same thing with wine. You just wine. have to be clever. Yeah, you yeah. Can do the same. But they say actually for wine that the yeah, it's not worth the amount of money. Is that right? Whatever. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm French, but I don't know that much about wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you you're doing food? Do you see yourself doing this for a while? No, my next program. So I start a new job in a few weeks and it's going to be about music in Mali. So Wait, okay. So I guess on this show, yeah. you've you've done your scouting. Yeah. You set this up. Yeah. Are you done? Yeah. It's a, it's so You don't usual. come back with the filming? I should, but I kind of negotiated that I wouldn't because I got another job that I prefer. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a it's better for my career. So, yeah. It's great. And this yeah. so that's the next one. Yeah. In Mali. Well, I'm not going to Mali. It, I'm going to be in the edit. So I What does that mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'll be an edit producer. So I will work with an editor who's a technician who does all the technical aspect. And my job is to kind of have a, an idea of where the whole program goes and write the script. So the voiceover for the presenter. Oh, well. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For me, it's, it's really... That's a really... It's, it's a, a good job. Yeah, yeah. It's a one-hour program. I've done that a few times for 30-minute programs. But uh, this is the first one hour? Yeah. So it's Is just, it on the BBC? Yeah. So what is the turnaround time on a show like this? You go in and you... Uh, so let's say yeah. the, the one you're doing right now. The food one, yeah. He'll film and then when does this come out? Are we talking six months? Are we uh, talking? It will come out in October, but it changes. It, it if the channel says actually we want it really soon, then you can turn it around. If yeah, you exactly. Have to. 
Uh, obviously, you can't multiply the presenter uh, because there's only one of him, so yeah. you can't really move around the shooting day. But the editing can change. Yeah, exactly. You can hire more people to edit. You can hire more people to scout, which so is what they've done on this one, for instance. Have they really? Yeah. Did they have? Is it a situation where like you've got to fill a gap? You know, you have a gap in your programming or something. Or they know they have a space, so that is the space that it has so to fit. I don't know about. I don't. I'm. I've never been on the side of the commissioner. Yeah. So you, yeah. So you, all you know is that every now and then they'll say, actually, we need someone. It's a, you a, just know the speed of yeah, in exactly. which they tell you to yeah, like, produce yeah. it. And sometimes they change their mind, but yeah, yeah. So what about the next one? Uh, do you mean the next program? The one you're doing next, where you're writing? Yeah. Uh, What's your turnaround time for like writing oh, this see. whole thing? So it's a uh, one hour, and it's seven weeks in the edit. So what? How long does it take you to write a one hour, or how long did it take you to write the half an hour? Yeah, well, that's what I'm excited about because the half hour I had two weeks, <laughs> so this is much more time. So, so I, you have seven total weeks to write it. Yeah, and it's one hour, but obviously it's like a big beast that you have to wrestle with. Do you have to go through? So you put this thing together and it goes through multiple edits through other people, or how do you do it? Yeah, no. So uh, you, when you're just an edit producer, um, you get the rushes uh, that have been filmed by, you know. The whoever. rushes are the the video of yeah. wherever they're at. Yeah. So uh, I know that right now, actually, the director and the presenter are filming in Mali. Uh, oh, really? left today. Yeah. So you're going to get the content. That they filmed, yeah. And then you go through all the content. I watch it all. Oh my God! So how many hours of that? Well, I don't like know yet. Hour. That's it. So yeah, well, what do you think it'll average? You think it'll be? Well, I don't have enough experience to know. So maybe ask me in three years, and I'll have a very precise idea yeah, of what yeah, it should yeah. be. Um, they say that um, directors who don't have much experience will overshoot because oh. they panic and they think, if I'm missing something. But if you know exactly what you want, exactly. you can come in at the right angle yeah, exactly. and like get what you want. And so who knows? So I so think it depends you, on. Could be hmm. ten hours. Could be five hours. Uh, I would be surprised if it was only five hours. But yeah. it could be f yeah. six to ten or yeah, something exactly. like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then when you're actually, just out of curiosity, yeah. th this is interesting. Um, is it? <laughs> it's really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about it because I, the worst part about the podcast. And is the editing. I haven't put a podcast out in a couple months, like yeah, a month noticed. and a half. Yeah. Because I have, and I have like five in the can. The backlog, yeah. But I hate editing. No, it's a fun bit though, no? I love listening to the people like talk again. And yeah. In fact, when I get done editing, I drive to work. I'll do it in the morning before work. Yeah. And then I drive to work and I listen to it all over again because I love the yeah. conversations. Yeah, yeah. I hate the the bits and pieces and the editing of like pulling that together. It just, it's not that enjoyable for me. So like yeah. I've put off, and in fact, I've been in the studio making artwork. Yeah. Which is another reason it's been so long. Yeah, of course, you're busy with us. Yeah, but at the same time, I want to. I owe it to the people that I interviewed to get it out there, yeah. and it's really interesting. Don't feel like you owe me anything. <laughs> no, but <laughs> I, I, you know what? Also, I owe it to the audience. It's like yes, a, it's exactly. a tool for yeah, people true. to like, and it's an yeah. interesting conversation yeah. that's really great. Yeah. So, when you're editing, yes, do you skim through, or do you have to like sit and watch it in real time? Uh, well, you, well, it depends if it's what we call GVs in England, but you call B-roll, which is just like general views of like, gotcha. say, you can skim through. You can it's skim just, because you know yeah, what you're going to get. Exactly. You're, oh, it's a sunset. Oh, it's like, you but know, But if whatever. somebody's talking, you've got to listen to the whole content exactly. to see, because you don't want to miss a guy. Yeah. Having said that, I have also been in a case where there's someone who's talking and the person is talking nonsense and so you, know you know you never it's use just it. Shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've been... <laughs> And the other reason I ask this question yeah. is because I watch a lot of movies mm -hmm. and I can fast forward through movies and get the gist of what's going on and then stop it every once in a while and hear the content of the conversation. You're like, okay, yes. I see where you're going. Oh, wow. What a way to watch a movie. That's well, if it's like a mediocre movie. <laughs> yeah. And if then you can just, you can yeah. see what's happening in the conversation through body language. Yeah. Yeah. And if it looks like an interesting, I mean, you're you're Isn't doing it? an actual job, not watching films on your couch. Yeah, yeah. So it's more important that you pay attention. But yeah. I wondered if it translated at all, where you can read what's actually happening in it and know where to stop or go mm. back through. You pretty much have to listen to the whole thing. I do. I do. What uh, what's happened? Like when I only had two weeks on the last one, um, the editor went through it all and kind of like. They're probably re they they that know kind of, it so well that yeah, they can exactly. just like yeah. nail it. Yeah. So he already. 
did like a rough assembly and that I got that and worked from that. So I didn't see everything. Whereas, yeah. Well, and especially when you have a time frame, if mm-hmm. you're working in like a half an hour cut yeah, exactly. and you're only using 20 minutes or something because it's like, no. yeah. you know, if you've got a really juicy part of something's good, you don't need to be fishing yeah. for a ton of a content in there probably That's too. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right, so so what I find interesting, and I guess I don't know if you have that in mind when you do your podcast, but I try and think of what am I trying to say overall? Do you see what I mean? What's right. the sense of this? Well, this is like yeah, you have yeah. to. I put a script together basically. Yeah. Usually, I take notes beforehand. Yeah. yeah, I'm sitting here with like information on you in front of me to yeah. sort of like if I go because you're a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here. <laughs> I've there's been like taking 80, pictures there's of like you 80 for the pictures of you. <laughs> exactly. You're like, wait, how do you have a photo of me in San Francisco? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have a so lot of creepy. time in my hands. <laughs> creepy, but no, no, no. Just really well versed in what I'm going to talk to my, my exactly. People, my yeah, you're a professional. About. I'm a That's professional. Good. A professional no, no, no. stalker. I remember one time I had somebody in here, and it was one of the first interviews I had done, mm-hmm. and I took in notes on him, and I made the mistake of showing him all the notes beforehand. Mm. And he was like, no, don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. Really? Don't talk about this. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, we had a general good. conversation before we started. It says, is there anything you don't want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. But when he looked at the list, so basically like half of, like three what quarters. Prepared, which is Three work. quarters. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of information yeah. was gone. He sounds like. Mm. <laughs> he was very specific about yeah. what he wanted. But the problem was, is I got three minutes into the conversation and i look down at the every once in a while i'll go over here and i'll look to see how much time we have yeah. just so you oh, get yeah. it tell me yeah yeah we're fine good yeah great. so but i'll look just so i can get a gist of like how how i have to direct the conversation yeah. basically oh, and at three minutes i was like oh i was like shit it feels like it's like been 15 minutes yeah. i was like oh okay so then I go back and I look at this thing again. And, and you can't ask any questions. Well, no, I can't ask any questions. I'm out. I've already, I'm silently going through these things. And That's I'm a checking, story of my life. Though. I'm checking them off slowly. And then they're almost all checked off except for like one. So I went back and I looked at the clock again and it was nine minutes. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, I've got another 50 minutes. Yeah. How am I going to fill this gap? And yeah. like, you know, we edit these things. So like if I'm getting 45 minutes or an hour out of this thing, I'm Recording yeah. in an hour and ten, they're like. And do you have like? Do you have a certain amount of? Uh, how long do you want your podcast to be? Do you? Are you? Do you, you know what it generally turns out to be? Is I had. This is a funny question too yeah. because I have a, I have a good friend and she was in advertising, and she was like, "You seriously need to cut the time on your podcast." Yeah, I think the shorter the better. Always. Well, half an hour. Yeah. She's like, yeah. if you want anybody to pick your podcast yeah. up, yeah. you need to do a half an hour. Mm. And. I, I think, yeah. you know, I wrestled with it because yeah. for it me, yeah. it's more about having a genuine conversation sitting across the table from yeah. somebody. And I can cut, I've had ones, generally I will keep them an hour or shorter. Mm-mm-mm. And usually it's 40 minutes to an hour given. And most of the time it's about 50 minutes or something like that. I've, but I've cut one that was an hour and 45 minutes down to an hour. That's right. It yeah. was a good cut. Yeah. And you got the information you needed. You didn't lose anything. Yeah. But... I find that if I go below that 40 minutes... Then you lose the essence of what... uh, Yeah, like it's a very genuine conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a back and forth where you want to listen for me. I want to listen to that conversation because it feels very honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been lying since the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually from Birmingham. (laughs) The accent and everything is fake. That would be the best... This would be the best podcast ever that I've done. I imagine. That would be so good and you just switch into your British accent. I just catfished you. Exactly. Is that what they say? I think so. And who's the creepy one? Exactly, yeah. It's a creep-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a total creep-off. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, I think that's... I sort of like... I was like, yeah, you could produce it but you know i'm fine mm. yeah like, no if i i know I, well i've listened to some of your podcasts and really enjoyed them um but i also and i but i also understand what your friend was saying be, i'm quite well as a person in the industry yeah. and you know what sells yeah if you want to market something at mm. a certain you just keep it yeah you got to keep it short yeah exactly well because that's what they want yeah. right yeah yeah exactly but also yeah but i think Having, like, now I realize I have a tendency to be a little bit ruthless with, like, things. Cutting? Yeah. I just, like, bored, bored. <laughs> like, I don't know, but... I cut... The the problem I found that when I cut these things... Yeah. Not that anybody's going to find this interesting. I might cut this, too. Yeah. I start making people, when I cut them... Yeah. ...talk in my pace, 
which is sort of like frantic. Yeah, it's fast. Yes, yeah. it's bad. If I speak too fast, actually, let me know because uh, no, you're I totally fine. Bad, uh, but my pacing is always like yeah, it is. It's like a how do you say gunfire? Machine gun? Yeah, machine gun. In French, you say that. In English, you say that as well. Yeah, machine gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's my pacing. So, like, when people, when I'm editing and people are taking too long in their breaths or, like, they're having a thought, yeah. I'll cut that fucking thought out <laughs> and I'll make them. But what it does is it makes yeah. everybody sound like they don't have to they think about. They don't breathe. Yeah. Oh, I see. Well, no, their, their, their content is basically instantaneous. So, it's like it was on the top tip of their tongue and it makes yeah. them sound like they're incredibly smart. And they're actually not that smart. No, yeah. they're fantastically <laughs> yeah. smart. But, but, yeah, of course. Yeah. Everybody has. But that's interesting. I... Uh, because I, I did a little bit of like audio recording and oh. I remember my, f like one of the things I was told was keep their breathing in because that also gives a chance to the listener. For it's the good. Listener to, to it is a good thing. And I yeah. do yeah. at yeah, no, certain you do, points, actually. Yeah. but it's, yeah. not enough that you would notice that it's cut mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. But I find that, you, you know what it is honestly too, is mm -hmm. there are people that are not used to talking and being recorded. Yeah. So they have these long pauses of consideration and artists who are very thoughtful about of what they're course, going to say. Yeah. So you'll have these. Because they've thought about these things yeah, as well. Like and, just and they want to be. Measured. Very measured, yeah. right? They want to be considerate and measured in everything that they're saying. And that is really great. And, but it doesn't make for good listening all the time. And did you find that to be, okay, so I did a little bit of radio and I once had to keep my questions in, which usually I edit out, but I just had to. And found that I don't finish my sentences. So, and oh, that panicked me. Because yeah. I was like, you need, so, because, okay, sorry, now I'm not making sense, but. No, I know, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So you kind of wait until the person you're talking to gets you. And, and then, then you, you finish your sentence before you finish the actual sentence. Right. So my problem, I didn't have that issue. Yeah. I had a problem where I was. What was I doing all the time? I would have phrases or I would have ums or something. Yeah. I, I started listening to myself and paying attention to the way I was. Your, like language uh, or, habits, yeah. Yeah, my language habits. But yeah. what was happening was it was directing the language habits of the people across from me. So if I started saying like, 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 yeah. or something like, like that. Yeah. The person across from me would start doing the same thing. Oh, interesting. So, or if I was taking pauses. I think it's an empathy thing. It is. And I don't even and know they're doing it. And you would be a psychopath if you didn't. <laughs> You're like a cold so, exactly. sociopath yeah. sitting on the other side of the table. So in one of the other things that I had learned too through this process, um, I've only done it once, a remote conversation. Yeah. yeah. I think I listened to that one. It's, uh, With the curator. Yeah. From India, no? Yeah, yeah, but she was actually in LA when yeah, we recorded yeah. it. But the problem with that for me is that I read people on their body language. Interesting. So it's easier for me to sit across from a table and have a very natural conversation. Yeah, and you get familiar with somebody and they get comfortable with you. Yeah. And you lose track of what you're saying in this yeah. really nice way that you're not worried about what's happening. Mm. You feel safe in a good place type thing. Yeah. Where if you're separated by a computer or by a phone, yeah, it's not the same. You're, you take pause before yeah. some of the questions and the answers that you sort mm. of produce out of that. And it felt, it felt um, less authentic. So specifically for um, that conversation, I think it was a good conversation. It was interesting mm. because it was things yeah, that I, really I didn't. It. Yeah, it was, di it was different. But for me, if she was in the studio at the time. It would have been different. It would have been much more rich in um, her personality, I think. Mm -hmm. I think she would have been more comfortable sitting across the table and having yeah. that conversation than feeling put in a place where she had to have a conversation. Mm -mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have, I have interviews coming up um, that I'm really excited to do uh, with some people from New York that I'm not going to do until they're in LA. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like you said, I think there's an intimacy as well. You know, you're just in the same room and that's... Yeah, I don't know. Well, I and you're invited in, yeah, your space. in my personal exactly. space, yeah. right? Like, this is very personal to me. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, to be invited into somebody's very personal space yeah. and be have that open conversation. And I'm very open to. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, but you don't get it if you're sitting across in a weird way. Yeah, I understand. We talked about a lot of stuff. Yes, it's messy. <laughs> no, it's not even messy. It's sort of fantastic. I love it. But personal sort of like... Uh, being introspective about just like what we do and how we do it, yeah. which is really what I love. Yeah. So are you planning on coming back to California anytime soon? 
not. I'm not actually. This is it. Well, who knows? I'm. I no. I think that it would be nice to go back when it's sunny. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, it would. I've had it sunny in California. I had so another friend from London out here, and uh, she was here, and it rained the entire goddamn no time. Yeah, it was absolutely terrible. Mm. Yeah, but what are you going to do? No, exactly. No, it's it feels like funny. And I've heard, okay, so I've met quite a few farmers on my journey and they're all like over the moon about the because water. It's, it's the end of the drought. I am right. so happy for everyone. It's um, pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, no, it's unless there's a landslide. Yes, yeah, it's been a drought. and Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for taking the time to come it's on the show. It's mm-hmm. been really fun. And I will note, and I didn't say this earlier, you drove all the way from San Diego directly to the studio. Mm-hmm. To be here. And I was texting you because it was a rainstorm and everybody in California freaks out about the rain. I was like, you don't have to come if you don't want. <laughs> but you were like, I can't talk on the phone right now. But seriously, it's easier for me. Little did I know you'd already been in the car for three hours. <laughs> you were like, <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm fucking coming. <laughs> no, it's like, fine. No, but I didn't Jesus, know how else these, to divert my route. So I was like, these, I'm just going to my these destination. French are so demanding. <laughs> That's how it is. French, French English now. Yeah, exactly. French English. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you for taking the time to be on the show. My it's pleasure. really wonderful. And hopefully we'll have you back in L.A. soon. Yeah, that would be a pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.